Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Pastor Mose. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. I, I, I know that you're seated and you're comfortable having um, a good time already. Um, let's just pray real quick. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. We thank you that it brings light to us and gives understanding to the simple. Jesus, you said that the flesh profits us nothing, but the words that you speak to us, they are spirit and they are life. And so we pray that your word will come into our hearts and dismantle debt forever. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Now, um, uh, when I was 10, my parents separated and um, we moved to my mom's home. My mom had a home in Najanankumbi. So, single mom life, she's a secretary, she's earning 400k per month, and she has four kids. Uh, my bigger brother, I, and my two little sisters um, who follow me, Rebecca and Juliana. And um, something that had not been happening before begins to happen. I guess in my mom trying to juggle life uh, with a secretary's salary and all that, um, we start building a relationship with uh, particular shopkeepers. It started with two, and then we settled down on one shopkeeper. She was called Mrs. Mwanga. So we always bought stuff from Mrs. Mwanga's shop. And uh, what happened is that when um, uh, money ran out, we would go because we had built custom and she knew us and uh, would borrow sugar, you borrow some uh, bread or salt or whatever necessities are needed at home. And um, then at the end of the month, when money came, we'd pay her and pay for some things cash and then the money runs out and then we go back into a cycle of borrowing a little this, a little that, a little the other. I remember one day when my mom sent me to get some sugar, cooking oil and something, um, Mrs. Mwanga said she had a very high-pitched voice. And she said, Mungandire, Anyambanzara Nsasire, Sinja Mwangera Banja. If you don't understand Luganda, basically what Mrs. Mwanga was saying, look, please tell your mom to help me. I, I, cannot, I cannot lend her anymore. As in we had maxed out our credit in a shop. And so that's how um, my mind began to be trained concerning debt. Now, I come from a wonderful family. Please believe me. It's a wonderful family. We have so much, so many great things going on. But I did not know that my financial blueprint was beginning to get wired that way. As I grew older, we moved from that place, went to much India. Then I moved out into um, our own pad with a certain friend of mine. And um, I did not know this. I was not aware of this. You know when you have 20-20 vision, you get to see the patterns. Um, I wasn't aware of this, but I, I started buying from one shop. And I bought Mandazi from one guy. And I kept on buying. And it's like insurance, building a relationship for insurance. And before long, uh, because we had started a business, we'd get two deals a year. One big deal, then we are looking for deals and they're not coming. So then you use the money, parent, then the, the landlord, guy, you wait for us a bit, you know, that kind of thing. Before we knew it, um, we also started, I started borrowing from the shopkeeper and even the Mandazi guy. We get married and before we know it, we start our, way, our marriage with 10 million shillings in debt. What is it about? Uh, people wanted us to have trays, you know, a plate of food with trays. 
uh, so you pay for the trays. They say you're going to have so many people, we expected 1,000, we got 350. You must have a Benz, so we, you know, had to pay for the Benz. Stuff like that, things you don't really need, but there we were, 10 million in debt, and back then 10 million was a lot of money. It took us two years to pay that debt. Two years. And that's how our marriage started. So, so this whole debt thing, I, I, I know it. I bear the marks of it. I want you to know that I'm speaking from a place of someone who's been there and is speaking about dismantling debt. I want to encourage you to drop debt. Because here's the thing. Debt is a thief. Debt is a thief. Debt robs you of peace of mind. Debt robs you of your income, which is your best weapon for wealth creation. Because instead of having an income and you're saving and investing, you get an income and you're paying backwards. You take two steps forward and, no, one step forward and two steps back. So in the long run, you end up moving more behind than you are moving forward. It's like someone who's running a race and you're moving at a high speed going that way, but then you end up looking behind. It's useless. It, it's very, very unhelpful. Debt robs you of harmony in key relationships. Debt robs you of the opportunity to be a blessing, an opportunity to give. So I'd like to encourage you to drop debt because there is nothing good about it. There is nothing good about it. Debt is also slavery. It's absolute slavery. I was reading up concerning our national situation here in Uganda. And according to the Monitor publication, Uganda's public debt is a total of 48.91 trillion shillings. 48.91 trillion shillings. That means that every Ugandan, including, new unborn, the, including the newborn babies, will need to pay a debt of 1.1 million shillings. Every Ugandan, including babies. 44 million people need to pay 1.1 million shillings for us to clear the 48 trillion shillings in debt. Another way to look at it is this way. I was looking at our national budget and um, the, the statistics from Ministry of Finance, and I found that with a total national resource inflow, in other words, the, cash, the income that comes in for Uganda is a total of 39.64 billion shillings. 39.64 billion shillings. That means that it will take Uganda 1,233 years to pay our debt without spending on anything else. That's a total of 123 centuries. 123 centuries. Now, if this situation continues the way it is, does anyone want to guess who will be calling the shots in Uganda for the next 120 centuries? Our donors. Because here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 22.7. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. Ladies and gentlemen, we have masters for the next 120 centuries unless something changes. That's at the national level. At an individual level, my debt muscle grew. And so in 2006, we begin to build with my wife and we 
set up a nice, you know, um, uh, Apostle Mose is an architect, so he designs this wonderful house. We start building it. When we had invested about 70 million um, in the house, it was going very well. We thought, you know, since we have my brother coming next year, uh, we need to host them. Let's take a, 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 a loan from the bank, okay? and finish the house quickly, so that also the kids, we don't want them to be in dust. You know those boo things that we can feel, you know, living a life that you're not really ready and able to sustain. So we took a debt, 100 million shillings from Stanbic Bank. Now I need to tell you that this is what happens. When you're taking a debt, this was a mortgage, okay? When you're taking a debt from the bank, a cute girl comes, you know, I remember, you know, beautiful girls. They're the ones who show up, they greet you nicely, they serve you tea. Oh, Mr. Nsubuga and things like that. Oh, Mrs. Nsubuga, what shall we help you with? Ha, 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 you sit down. They, you know, they treat you so well. VIP treatment, okay? They never delay you. They serve you in a private room where there is privacy. You know what I mean? So we took our loan, 100 million shillings. <laughs> and, and it was using um, what they call a floating rate. A floating rate means that um, uh, whenever the bank so chooses and can justify the situation, they can raise the rate depending on the situation. And um, uh, as, 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 as it so happened to be, so um, there's fixed rate and floating rate. We had taken floating rate. We didn't know any of these things. And so 2011 hits. Um, we had some investment in forex trading. That went belly up when Greece failed to pay their debt. The trading between US dollars and euros collapsed. So, you know, forex trading tanked. We're earning $2,500 per month. That went down. I was working in the World Bank, so now we're on the World Bank salary. And because uh, the Governor Bank of Uganda wanted to control inflation, what he did is he increased the interbank lending rate. What that means is that the money the bank borrows, the money the bank borrows from uh, the central bank was at a more expensive rate, so then the commercial banks also increased their lending rate. The idea was if you increase the lending, um, you're going to suck money from the economy because you're controlling inflation. What that did to our mortgage is, and, and you know, we had even been called for a party at one time, we were premium clients, you know, we had 15%, you know? It was so good, you know, absolutely brilliant. So then what happens is that banks doubled, doubled, that they are lending rate. So we moved from 15% to 29%. We moved from having 40% uh, of my World Bank income uh, being paid to the bank to 80% being paid to the bank. And it began to become a struggle for us to be paying on time. And I remember some of those times you get a call from the Stanbic Bank. And there was, it's not the beautiful girls, absolutely not. <laughs> This is a certain guy, I, he sounds like a young, fresh guy, but he's tough. He says, um, hello, um, this is Moses, I'm calling from the Stanbic Bank. Please note that for quality purposes, this call is being recorded. When are you going to pay the installment? Bichi, 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 bichi. I got some of those calls, and you know, you just feel your peace going. You feel like you are a slave, you are in bondage. I will not tell you what the rate would have been, but let's say that 
by the time, you know, you, you have 28% and the average of 15, let's say that the lending rate is 29. I'm just averaging it for simple math. What that would really mean is that for 20 years, we would have a monthly payment of 1.78 million shillings, a total interest paid over a 20-year period if you're taking a mortgage of 326 million, a total payment including their 100 or 426 million. And guess what? That means that you are paying 326% in interest over the 20-year period. I looked up the word mortgage. This is what mortgage means. The original word is from French. It means death pledge, a death pledge. A mortgage loan is a loan secured by real property through the use of a mortgage note. The word mortgage is a French law term meaning death contract. Death contract. Meaning that the pledge ends or the pledge dies either when you have met the obligation or when your property is taken through for a closure. That's how you get out of a mortgage. So a pretty girl comes to sign and a certain rough, rough young guy who wants to put the fear of God in you is the one who comes to collect. <laughs> have you noticed? That is slavery. When you're in debt, you are working for the bank. You move one step, two, one step forward, two steps back. Your ability to dream is thoroughly minimized. You can't advance. You're not confident. You're curbed by debt. Debt is slavery, and it actually even goes through generations. I was looking up at a popular story that I've been tracking. In 2010, a certain gentleman called Ed Edward Kasaga died. He was popularly known as Zimwe. Zime Construction was his company. They were doing roads, they had hardware, they had mines and things like that. In the New Vision, on the 27th of May 2010, um, this was the headline. Six billion debt shocks Zimwe family. The family of Edward Kasaga, also known as Zimwe, yesterday told the commercial court that they need access to bank accounts of his companies in order to service a 5.5 billion loan from Topical Bank. And the story continues as they were lamenting. In 2013, on 27th of September, a New Vision reporter called Chris Kinawawulo writes this story. Zimwe family given more time to clear debt. They were actually going to auction all their property. Listen to this story. The trustees of the estate of the late Andrew Kasaga, popularly known as Zimwe, have secured more time from creditors to allow the family to clear his, its debt, a reliable source has revealed. According to the source, Zimwe uh, trustee employees, Haj Umar Mandela, former Minister of Finance, Gerald uh, Sendaola, Ami Kamanda, uh, General Katumba Amala, moved in to negotiate with Tropical Bank to stop the auctioning of the property. The bank, according to the source, has allowed the family some time to clear the debt. The time was not known, but the land and property worth billions of shillings um, of the fallen businessman was used as collateral to borrow money that had been put up, has been put up on sale as of 10th September. And they've been given 21 working days. According to the sources, uh, etc, etc. Now, some of the property that was being attached included the property where Zimwe was buried. Debt is slavery. And sometimes it goes to generations. I don't know how the Zimwe family is doing, but I don't see them constructing roads as much as they did back then. My sense is that the debt wore down the kids and I don't know if they've even paid or not. I'm only speaking from what is in the public domain. 
Second Kings chapter 4 verse 1 says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my, my, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered, he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. A holy man, a prophet who died in debt has his sons being taken for slavery. Job 24 verse 9 says, the fatherless child is snatched from the breast. The infant of the poor is seized for a debt. Guys even collect babies while they're suckling. They say, this is a slave. Just bring, I will feed them whatever. They will work for me. They are not yours. Nehemiah 5, 35, 3 to 5. It says, there were also some who said, we have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of famine. There were also those who said, and this was talking about the oppression of the children of Israel. There were also those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax. Can you imagine you borrowed to pay tax? We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them. For other men have our lands and our vineyards. Slavery. It starts with cute girls. It ends with auctioneers and bailiffs. Drop debt. There is nothing good about it. We must dismantle debt, friends. Many years later, we recovered. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But, I, but suffice it to say, I tell that story? Okay. So what happens is we get to sell the house. 2013, some guy basically bought the house. He, he gave us a car worth $15 million, paid $3 million. Uh, three, three, no, did I say dollars? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm thinking dollars these days. Monsocity. He paid 15 million shillings, uh, deposited 3 million shillings in cash, 5 million shillings in cash, and go, he, he himself got a loan. Um, not talking about that. Um, but, well, uh, we walked out of the bank. We had been paid some money. After we had cleared our debts and things like that, we were left with 40 million shillings. Our net worth had dropped from well over 250 million shillings to 40. And so we start the slog out of the ditch. We do every type of job possible. Um, uh, oh man, negotiated rent. I used all my negotiation skills at that time. I negotiated rent in a certain place. We were paying, um, I fixed it for 400,000 per month for five years. We renovated the house, made it comfortable because we are now saving and beginning to build back. We bought a shell house because we believe we needed to replace a house. And we, like, we keep on going and working through it year in, year out. There were three things that were working for us. One is we lowered our cost of living. Instead of living in a posh house, because we had tried out rent in, in Sunset Apartments, it was 1M that time, we were like, ah, we have learned our lessons. We lowered our cost of living to 400000 per month. We kept giving, we stopped, we refused to stop being generous because we know that the generous um, soul will be watered. We know that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we didn't stop giving and we didn't stop serving even through this pain. In that period of time, we planted Worship Harvest Gaiaza. We started Harvest Academy. We still served. We were still able to go on. 
2016 January, we had this message again concerning first fruits. And we took a risk along with other families and we did our first fruits. It was, I mean, we even had to have a group to kweyamba through the season. Are you guys okay? Are you eating? Hey, Jamuri, you know, I know now you know one of the guys because he shared his story. Yes, I was also one of the people who did fast fruits and we are all now living in our own houses. God is faithful. But you see, our big turnaround started in 2018, 2019 in June when we attended the straightforward financial growth, the very first mastermind that uh, Pastor Mose, Apostle Mose, Mose, whichever way you call him, did. And in there, we got to see what the problems were. We got to see that our income streams were few. We got to see so many issues. And we started working through at that time. At that time, our net worth was about 177 million shillings. So we're not as bad as we were before. From 40 million, we had gone to 177 million shillings. But we had an outstanding debt of 100 million shillings, somehow. So he tells us about believe, you know, work, manage, invest, give. And we start slogging away and cutting down our debt. By the time we got to end of 2019, in one and a half years, our net worth had grown to 349 million shillings by end of last year. And our debt had been cut to 83%. By April this year, the debt with the bank and all that was totally cleared. We are now in a, living in a debt-free home. And we know that our God is faithful. You need to dismantle debt, friends. There is nothing good about it. There is nothing good about it. As I conclude, here is what I want to say. Proverbs 22, verse 26 to 27 says, Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Why should they take a bed, even your bed from under you? As in don't get into debt for whatever reason, even if you're helping others. The last thing I want to say, even as um, Apostle Mose comes, Deuteronomy 15.6. This is what it says. I want to read this slowly so that you get it in your heart. It says, For the Lord your God will bless you just as he promised you. He will bless you just as he promised you. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Debt is about slavery. Debt is about who reigns. Drop debt. There is nothing good in it. We need to dismantle debt. Amen. Apostle <laughs> My God, my God. Whoa. Whoa. Send, send your questions. I've seen some of them. Drop debt. There is nothing good about it. All right? So, <laughs> where do we go from here? This was like, yeah, you know when you're being punched and you have no recovery. Yeah, you're just doing the Muhammad Ali thing of being on the ropes. Dead. I think really Pastor Chris has done an incredible job in these few minutes giving us a, a, a really good case from a personal perspective 
giving an example of a company because some of you are like, ah, no, we've managed to work the dead work. <laughs> yeah, you don't know what's going to happen in the next 40 years. You see, because when you borrow, you're assuming best case scenarios. That's the problem with debt. You're assuming best case scenarios. And then you have given us the national scenario, which is very, very difficult. Now, I, I got this from a, a website focusing on the family. And I wanted to start with this as I start wrapping up. It says, what the Bible does not say about debt. Here is what the Bible does not say about debt. Because we are Bible people. Yeah? We are people of the word. So, let's start with what the Bible does not say about debt. One, it doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. No. If you are in debt, you are not a sinner. It's not a sin. The Bible doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. Okay? Whereas the Bible offers many warnings and dangers about debt, it doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. Many people quote Romans 13, 8, which says, Oh, no, oh no one anything except the debt of love. And they think that's about money. No, that, that's about relationships. So, one, it doesn't say it's a sin to borrow. Two, it doesn't say it's wise to borrow. Yeah. yeah, many financial experts will tell you that leverage, leverage, the use of borrowed money to buy assets for appreciation is the way to prosperity. But that's not a biblical perspective. Even when I wrote straightforward financial growth in the book, I made a case for good debt, which I've now changed my mind about. So if you read it in my book, SFFG, I made the case for good debt, which was good business debt, where the return on investment is higher than the interest rate. Let's say the interest rate is 20%, your return on investment is 40%, then you are, you, you're succeeding. But that assumes best case scenarios, because when yeah. you borrowed, you already worked out from your income, from your job, how you were going to... You hadn't anticipated the inflation and yeah. the fact that your rate would double. Yeah. So once things go haywire, you're out of business. So it doesn't say it is wise to borrow. Many experts, including people that I follow and talk about, like Robert Kiyosaki, will talk about good debt. Unfortunately, there is no case in the scriptures for good debt. Yeah. And as people of the Bible, the Bible has the last word. Yeah. Three, it doesn't say God will bail you out of debt. <laughs> there are stories in the, in the Gospels where Jesus tells a story of a guy who was forgiven debt and then he went and did forgive his friend Then he was again thrown back in. He, those stories are about other things. They are not about debt. They are about forgiveness. Yeah. You need to dig yourself out. So, the Bible has no support even none of it shall supply all your needs according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It still doesn't apply to debt. It does not say that God will bail you out of debt. In, in, in fact, it says the opposite. In the book of Psalms, it says that the wicked borrows and does not return. So you cannot use your faith and relationship with Jesus as a basis for refusing to pay a debt. Because there's a brother who borrowed money from many people who I knew, and I knew the brother, I knew the lenders. I didn't know when they were borrowing. 
Usually in church, people don't tell you when they are doing deals. They only come to you as the pastor when the deals when have the, gone bad. Yeah. And all these people started telling, sending me the emails this guy was sending them, sending them. That Jesus already paid my debt. So stop disturbing. These are brothers in Christ. So there is no biblical basis for refusing to pay that debt because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin, it's sin, it's sin, not, not debt. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll sing you Mike Maddox's version of How Great Thou Art. How damn thou art. How damn thou art. Anyway. So it doesn't say God will bail you out. Yes, the Bible speaks to people who have lent. Yeah. The instruction is only to the people who have lent, not the people who have borrowed. To be gracious in the, in the, in the year of Jubilee to cancel debts. But it, you can't use that as a promise that, yeah. that yeah. you, Chris, you let me money, I'm Jubilee. waiting for Jubilee. <laughs> Jubilee. No, no, no. The instruction is to the lender, not the borrower. So the borrower, you have no promise at all wow. for debt cancellation. Yeah. Wow. The, this is the first thing the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say debt is an exercise of faith. Wow. To say that we're exercising faith by borrowing money is the same as saying that God needs to use a lender to meet our needs. In many cases, we put the lender in the place of God and let them fulfill the desires of our hearts as, a, as opposed to our true needs. So some people will say, um, I did it by faith. No, 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 no. No. Faith is trusting God to supply your needs, not your lender. The last thing the Bible doesn't say about debt is, it doesn't say that it is a sin to lend money, to loan. So it's not a sin to borrow. It's not a sin to lend. That's why he says you shall lend to many nations. Yeah. Okay. So what's it with debt? From my analysis of the last few years and talking to individuals like Chris who have been there and to hell and back and others that I see coach or whatever. The biggest issue with debt is that it, it has an impact on our relationship, first of all, with God. Because when you're relating with God, you're expecting him to supply your need. So when you, when you, instead of looking at God, you start looking at the lender, you have already veered, of course. So it has, it, so I'm talking relationships. It has a, a negative impact on our relationship with God. Secondly, it has a negative impact on our relationship with ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How were you feeling those days when, when, when that guy was calling you? Bad. You feel low. Very bad. Like, Very bad. You are like, where are the beautiful girls who served us tea and took us to a private room? Yeah. They don't exist. <laughs> now they are... It, it, and it is a serious... And, and, and really, it's psychological. It starts to erode your confidence. It starts to put negatives when it comes to finances, negatives in your mind instead of the positives. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to give you some clues about how to deal with that. And then, it has a negative impact on our relationship with others, our creditors, for example. Oh, yeah. When someone lends you money, that relationship is dead. Yeah. Or, the people we love, 
like that woman, right. when the credit has come, yeah. my sons are being taken into slavery. Yeah. So I feel like for, just for that reason, you should avoid debt if you are not in debt or get out of debt quickly. Let me first address the issue of treasure and debt because treasure is the opposite of debt. Yeah. Proverbs 21, 20 says there is desirable treasure, desirable treasure. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. We did hear net worth last week. Or was it the other week? So, debt is negative net worth. Yes. So, even if you had assets worth 800 million, if your debt is 1 billion, you are negative 200 million. That's not treasure. Yes. That's, it was squandered. So there is desirable treasure in the house of the wise. Yeah. Debt is the opposite of treasure. Treasure is positive money. Debt is negative money. At least you did that part in school. You know integers and negatives. X-axis, Y-axis. Yeah. Okay. So there is what? Desirable treasure. Debt is the killing, the death of treasure. Debt is consuming tomorrow's treasure today. And somehow hoping, I don't know, there is no hope in debt. Because if you consume tomorrow's treasure today, what are you hoping for? Nothing. Debt is going ahead of God. Debt is saying, God, you're late. Let me do something about it. Proverbs 15, 6 says, in the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked there is trouble. Now, debt is troublesome because it shows up as negative on your net worth. But in the house of the, there is much treasure. When you start getting into debt, you're compromising the much treasure which should be in your house as a righteous person. A lot of the people you admire and you think they have money, they don't. It's all a show. I remember Gloria Copeland saying this, that where she came from, people didn't leave wheels, they left bills. Oh. When you're in debt, you can't leave a wheel. But so and so, if I die, this so and so will take this one. No, you're only leaving responsibilities. That's why it's a mortgage. Until death, us do part. He leaves wow. a bill. Mm. Instead of a will. Instead of a will. So the person dies, the, the mortgage company comes, they get the family out of the house, or they take the furniture, they put it on sale. Why? You left a bill, not a will. If you have to leave a will, please get out of debt fast. Now, there's, a, there's another interesting way in which there is wisdom about debt that's not so direct in the book of Proverbs, and that's about being a surety. So being a surety is, Chris borrows, and then the lender says, uh-uh, yes, yes, we trust you, of course. Yeah, you know, tea, hot, will it, hot, cold, what? Yeah, I said, bring also another person to, say, to be your guarantor. Yeah, just in case, you know? So Mose comes as the guarantor. Now, what? <laughs> When I come and I'm, I'm trusting that Chris will be able to pay yeah, that debt. the debt. Mm. But what I don't know is that being a guarantor, 
You know when the trader is pulling uh, the wagons? Yeah. You are now one of the wagons on that yes. debt thing. You are now in debt. Yes. The moment you sign as surety, you are in debt. Don't play games about. Don't even think. You are in debt. Yeah. Yeah. The moment you sign as surety, you're in debt. It's as if. If B3 has two buckets to take home, and says, Moses, lift cough for me here. You can't say, I'm not feeling any weight since the bucket belongs to B3. No. Yeah, you see what I'm well. saying? Yeah? yeah. As long as you're lifting cough for B3, you're going to feel the weight of the bucket, even though it belongs to B3. You're in debt. Yeah. Don't kid yourself. And there is so much wisdom about death from looking at the life of a surety. Wow. In fact, the scriptures about surety reveal more to us about death than the scriptures about them, death themselves. Proverbs 22, 26, 27 says, Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge. One of those who is surety for death. Yes. Why? It makes you a debtor yourself. Yes. It says, if you have nothing with which to pay, eh? Why should he take away your bed from under you? Where? By the time they take your bed, the TV is gone, the car is gone, the shoes are gone. Bed, bed. The last thing a person, you see, even the day you die, you will die on a, on a bed. bed. If you die properly. Yes. You'll be lying down on a what? A bed, bed and you die. It's the last property a human being should not be denied. Well, if life has dealt you blows, you can sleep and fast rest and say, let's wait. A, a live dog is better than a dead lion. Now, if the bed is gone, that means you can't even sleep. Yeah. Are there people? Yeah. Am I talking? You're talking. You're talking. At all. So do not be a surety for debt. Yeah. Better still, do not borrow. Because they shall take. Okay, there. It's in question form. Why should he take your bed from under you? Like, hey. 27. Proverbs 27 30 says, take, take the garment of him who is a surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he's a surety for a seductress. Yeah, yeah the answer. For a seductress, why? They, they, Sorry, uh, this might come, sound, come off sounding bad, especially for those who are sensitive about gender issues. I'm one of those. I have two daughters, so very sensitive. But, but there's a reason why it was those good-looking girls when we were borrowing. Yeah? There's a certain way men are disarmed, mentally speaking. That's why it says, hold it in place. When is a shorter for what? I said, Doctress, we talked you into. You're feeling important. Now, yeah? News. The news is tightening. That's for a stranger. That's for a stranger. Cut it about this one. Proverbs 17 18 says, A man devoid of understanding shakes hands and plays and becomes short for his friend. If you're guaranteeing other people's loans, you are not, you are devoid 
of understanding. Look, between the Bible and your experience, I have to follow one. Yeah. <laughs> and it can't be your experience. Yeah. Because your experience is not consistent. You may just have got lucky. Not every thief is caught. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're caught, you Yeah. So you can't say, I see thieves are not mm. being caught nowadays. It's okay to steal. No. So and so stole, got away with it. So and so stole, got away with it. So and so got a, a, a loan and it worked. The other one's loan worked. loan because your loan worked. Should I go steal because you stole and didn't get caught? And it worked? No. I have to follow the Bible. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. All right. Now, then he gives us this very interesting one. Proverbs 6, 1 to 5. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you see, he's covered both. He has covered the friend and the stranger. He says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Snare. Mm. Mm. So do this, my son, and deliver thyself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go humble yourself. Plead with your friend. I says, give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter and like a bird from the hand of a fowl. Are you seeing a gazelle? Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Like a cob. Huh? Uganda cob. Antelope. Eh? When, when, when a pack of cheetahs or uh, leopards is coming, it doesn't sort of be like yeah. leopards. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't start swaggering off. <laughs> like Dave Ramsey says, come closer, Chris. Yeah. He says, when it comes to dealing with that, there yeah. must be gazelle-like intensity. Yes. Can I repeat that? Mm. Gazelle-like intensity. intensity. Mm. Don't even theologize uh, social... No. Cover up. Yeah, yeah. Don't try to make it good. Gazelle-like intensity. What? <laughs> Like, get out. Yeah. Why? You said you use this verse already, Proverbs 22 7. Because the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. I remember Kenneth Copeland putting it in a, a way that really. He says, because you know, when you, you, when they gave you that debt, did they just give you the money and you walked off? No, no. You had to sign. You sign away your land yeah. title. Yeah. What? The borrower is by covenant a slave to the lender. Yeah. You sign and covenant. Yeah. Chris sends me 100 million shillings. I covenant. I covenant from this day forward until the 100 million is paid that I shall be thy servant, thy slave. Thou mayest rule over me. Ooh. Of course, some, some of you who are, I'm looking for the English word. Thinking through this and thinking, no, that's an extreme position. Me, I've managed to succeed. 
it's because you, you don't know how much more success you will have had with another method. You see, yeah. it's like a guy who, whose budget is 1.5 million a month, and then he gets a job of 3 million. Oh, is that not get up on a year? Uh, 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 they have not considered the fact that if they sat down eh, and stopped being an idiot and they started learning, yeah. they could start making 30 million a month. Like, they have not considered that fact that they such a thing as 30 million a month. Yeah. Because all they ever needed was 1.5. Yeah. And now they are making 3, they are like, I'm in heaven, you all just don't know it. Okay, so... So you're saying you've succeeded with that. Yeah. It's because you don't know how much more successful you could have been without the debt using other economic principles that the Bible recommends. Yeah. That we've been teaching here. Like the setting up a side of 20% for investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then you're, you're, you're buying that car apartment, which the advertisers, 150 million, but in the end you're paying 600 million. Yes. Yeah. And that 600 million is money that you've made. Now, if you had set aside that 600 million, you'd buy four of them. Yeah, by the 20 years, or even more. If you kept investing it in something else that grows quicker than real estate, you get a day, you just walk and buy cash. Yes. Ah, give me my apartment. No, in fact, give me three. Yeah. Are you still there? Dismantling debt. Now, I'm going to pivot on this idea of the rich rules over the poor and the borrower's servant to the lender to, to show you that the scripture is, is well balanced. By going to Deuteronomy. He says, For the Lord your God will bless you. Deuteronomy 15:6. Yeah. The Lord what? Will bless, bless you. Just as He promised you. And then He says, This is the result. This shall be the result. Ladies, get ready to come on. This is the result. You shall, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Yeah. And then he says the result of it, yeah. of that. Yes. You shall, you shall reign, reign over many nations, and they shall, they shall not reign over reign. you. Why? Why shall you reign over them? Because you have lent them. If you borrow, then they will reign over you. That's why you're going to go kill each other on the streets of Kampala and everywhere about Ugandan politics. They, I'm this color, I'm that color, I'm the other color. And you're wasting time. Because the real shots are not called by you. You don't call the shots. You, you may think you do, but you don't. You don't call the shots. So stop spilling blood. You don't call the shots. Go sort your economics, personal economy, if you want true freedom for yourself. Look, it doesn't matter what government is, is in, in the chair. Boboli Mwavu. They are poor people in the United States of America. Yeah, who live on the streets. They are there. Think about that. They live on streets. Yeah. 
You shall, God will what? Bless you. Bless you. As he I tell you, no, we, this promise to, to the nation of Israel is ours. Those of us who are in Christ, who are children of Abraham, okay? This, this was a blessing to Israel because they are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, for those of us who are in Christ, we are also children of Abraham. It says that those who are Christ's are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So whatever promise is to these people is a promise to us. Yeah? Is the team coming? But no. They are coming slowly, slowly, slowly. Okay. So I wanted you to understand the correlation between the blessing, debt, ruling, and slavery. In fact, I wish I'd thought through this better, I would, I would have had a, a flip chart here to show you. But if you understand inverse curves, okay, inverse proportions, as one increases, one reduces. The blessing and debt are not conversely proportional. They are inversely proportional. The, as debt goes higher, blessing goes lower. As blessing goes higher, debt goes lower. They are inverse. It's right there, Banangu. Christians, yeah. the Bible is your book. <laughs> For the Lord, your God, will bless you just as he promised you. And because he has blessed you just as he promised you, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Why? Because you shall reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over you. Why? If you lend, you reign. If you borrow, you're a slave. If you lend, you reign. If you borrow, you sign up to be ruled over by the lender. You know, for me, I join investment groups to be a lender, not a borrower. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that's why I say faithfully every month. So that as people come to borrow from the investment, investment club, yeah. they and they are paying rich. interest. Mm. And the one they are paying interest. Okay, December 28-12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give, give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your Have you seen that word bless there again? What happens after that? You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Psalm 37, 21. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives you know, when you're in debt, you're not thinking about giving anyone. Yeah. Okay, so, 10 steps to dealing with debt. 10 steps to dealing with debt. 10 steps to dealing with debt. We are now finishing. Get your pen and write this down. 10 steps to dealing with debt. Yeah? Yeah, today I'm your 10 steps preacher. Ten yes. steps yeah. to dealing yeah, with debt. Some of you might be asking, where is Jesus in all of this? Please don't think Jesus paid it all. Mm. 
Jesus, in all of this, is that he paid for your freedom and you have no business becoming a slave to men when you are the son of God. Ten steps to dealing with debt. Step one, write down all your debts. Yeah, that's the first step. Yeah, you need to know what you're dealing with. Awareness, yeah? We won't end up treating home suja. We won't get them suja, but you're just there. I'm feeling warm. I'm feeling warm, and then you just assume it is malaria. It's not. It might be something else. Yeah. Might be a tooth. Might be I don't know. Love. Might be love. Who knows? So one, right? If you're in debt, the first step is write down all your debts plus interest rates whatever all all write them down mm. that's step one mm. step two pray yes yeah god is still your father mm. and he wants to help you yes. yeah you know if if this three if you are in debt mm. and you wrote down your debts mm. i am asking that best on our relationship you will come and tell me really <laughs> My friend, Papa, you know, to throw me out of Papa, spiritual daddy, eh? Amazing, you know. On that day, I'm smart. Now you be this nude. Now, this little in my bag. When she dresses nicely, what? She deserves it. She works hard. She makes good money. She manages her money well. She's grown. Don't get on her case when she's looking smart. Come on, okay. Come on, let me drop it again. Like, if it was there, you would, it would be wise to come and tell Komi. Because one time I advise you, God can give you a word like some of you God is giving you a word right now. Bambi, go on there. Don't talk a kanyala. Don't say, what does Mozen know? He's a pastor. Wow. <laughs> Maybe it's for that very reason. It's for that very reason. Because do you know where you, where you, where you are right now? All the other advice you've been getting has got you into that place oh, yeah. from your experts. Mm. How, is, how, how, is that doing? how is that working for you? Mm. How is the expert advice working for you? So two, pray. Talk to God about it. One, he, can, he will give you supernatural wisdom on how to deal with that. Two, he might even start talking to some of you Creditors to, to have mercy. It's true. Because it says the righteous shows mercy and gives. And gives. Because when you come to someone's debt, you are giving. You are giving them. Now, for us, ours is to be the righteous who shows mercy and gives, not those who are running away. <laughs> so pray. Three, talk to your creditors. Go yeah. face them. There is a friend of mine who has been through this and they know exactly what to do. See, go face your creditors. Tell them I owe you this much money, Angela. This is the situation. Embedded with I cannot promise you when I am going to pay. Don't make promises. If especially if the debt is bad and you're running off. Don't say bad enough because you keep making promises. Just say, I don't know when I'm going to pay, but I can assure you this. As long as blood flows in these veins, I will pay you. Don't run. That makes you wicked. Yeah. And yet you're righteous. Yeah. So don't run. Go talk. That this stage, I told you ten stages. Mm. 
go talk to your creditors and promise that you will pay, ask for patience. Ask them to suspend the interest rate. Yes. If things are bad already, yeah. ask them to suspend the interest so that it stops, so that the whole amount stops going up. Yeah. Four, stage four, start paying. Yeah. Start paying. How do you pay? Start with the smallest debts. Yeah. They may not even be the ones with the highest interest, but start with us. Why smallest? So you can build muscle. muscle. You, need, you, need, you need a win. Mm. So if you start with the biggest thing and your list of debts is 28, okay, 18, okay, 8. You're going to feel like you're headed nowhere. Mm. Start with the smallest. What? What? Ah. Then use that. You gotta be like, man. Mm. Feels good. I'm dis dismantling what? Dead. Dead. Start with the smallest debts. Yeah. Practice. Don't start with Golola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're practicing, yeah? Wow. Kiki Bokisa. If, <laughs> if you're practicing, don't start with the toughest guy. They're going to hit you down. <laughs> start with the smallest yeah. guy, is it? Money. When we beat one, you'll yeah. be like, bring the next. Now you start with the toughest, or you could rip. Start with the smallest debt. Number five, start making extra income yeah. by increasing yeah. your income streams. Yes. You can make a lot more money than you think you can make. Yes. Just get an extra thing. Take juice to the office. Take samosas to the mm. office. Send cakes to that restaurant. Mm. Set up something, anything. Clean the house. Yeah, don't treat money. It causes us to treat money irresponsibly. You think that it, you only treat money respectfully when it's at a certain amount. No, 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 no. Big ships sink through small holes. Small holes sink big ships. I think that's a better way to say it. Small holes sink big ships. So start making that little extra money. Sell those books. Yeah, sell your books. You are in HR, you wrote a book. Sell the books. That's extra income. Package ground nuts, whatever. Do something. Make a call. Offer a service. Start making extra money. Number six, lower your living costs. Yeah. Look, you want to live wheels or bills? Lower your living costs so that you are able to effectively, continually pay the debt. And then, number seven, this is very counterintuitive. Don't spend all your outflow on debt and expenses. Mm. Start saving some yes. money. Yeah. Yes. Start even as you clear debt, stay, say so. Let's say you finish this and you set up a plan and say, okay, I'm going to tithe 10%. Mm -hmm. yeah. I am going to start paying debt. 30% of all my income is going to debt clearance. Mm. I am going to start saving 10% and spending 50%. Whatever you do, start saving some. Why? When you start seeing money coming up on your account, and you're sending it to those uh, uh, mutual funds, and it's making its own money. Even when they banjo you these ends. Yeah. The yeah? yeah. yeah. Confidence starts coming back. You're like, 
Yeah. And, and not the worst out there. Mm. Something is working. Yeah. So, even when you're clearing debt, save and invest. Mm. Do both. Rich people do both. Poor people. people think either or. Number eight, start tithing. Mm. And practicing generosity. Not just tithe, but also giving money. You, God is the multiplier. If you stop tithing and practicing generosity, you're cooked. Yeah. yeah. Number nine. Stop borrowing. Wow. Yeah. Because everybody like, uh-huh, this one is higher interest. Let me go borrow from Peter and pay Paul. Stop borrowing. Just stop. Do you know the whole borrowing thing? You know, why is it that you cleared your mortgage having lost the money? You lost the house. You cleared the mortgage, uh, you away the car, and you, you had some foot in you. Then a few years later, you are getting 100 million in debt. You see, it's, it's, it's here. What is it that changed for you in the SFFG? It was the shifting of the blueprint. Yes. For many of you, it's just a blueprint issue, shifting from being a borrower a lender. Because as long as you're borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, Peter to pay Paul, you're in the cycle. Uh, and here is why. You might say, no, no, it's, it's safe right now. Okay, I'm borrowing less, paying. Then one day you'll get a big opportunity and guess what? Your first instinct is going to be, where can I borrow money to take this? And that one thing will sink you. Because you never repented from that principle. See, you can't keep jumping off buildings and think you're Superman. Ten, the last point. Get accountable. For your new habits of tithing, saving, not borrowing, and making extra money, and lowering your living costs. And get accountable. Find a friend who is wiser than you. You are talk to your pastor. Talk to your missional community leader. So they are not deeper in debt than you. Talk to someone and be accountable for your journey going forward. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.